Well, God bless you. Welcome to Church on the Hill. Y'all ready to receive? All right, let's pray together. Father, in Jesus' name, I just ask you to bless us. We are in need of your blessing, Lord. And Lord, as we go into the fruit of the Spirit again tonight, Lord, and talk about faithfulness, Lord, I just ask you to speak directly into our hearts, and Lord, about how to be faithful to you and how to be faithful to our spouse. Faithfulness in marriage. Father, I just ask you to encourage every person here today. For everyone in this building knows what it's like to be tempted, especially in intimate areas. And Lord, I just ask, Holy Spirit, that you would come alongside us. And I pray, Father, for anyone that is, <laughs> hallelujah. I pray for, I've, now, y'all listen to me, this is serious. I pray for anyone that is entertaining an affair. Anyone, Lord, who is in one. And Father, I just pray for our wonderful single people. Father, who can also get caught up into this trap. Pray, Lord, that you would encourage us all today to turn around and make a difference. Make a difference in our spiritual character and make a difference in our commitment to you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Let me tell you, God's on the move. We are seeing some major healings in this church. We're seeing salvations. We're seeing breakthrough. We had a bonfire Wednesday night, where we just tossed in our desires, asking God to create in us a new heart. And you know what? When we let God move in our life, He will move. When we ask Him to come, He comes. I also want to encourage you, we opened up our home to the, to our, the youth to have a, a Bible study on David, and we, had, we have more kids at it than we had at the Joe McGee uh, thing that we had in our home, and our home was full then. So I want you to know kids are hungry, adults are hungry, children are hungry, and we have got to turn to God. And I don't mean play some church game, I mean turn to God. And I believe, you know, one of the baptisms this morning was a man who just is deciding to make a new commitment to God. Let me tell you, he is not the only one in that need. We all need to make sure that we are fully committed Fully committed. Are you fully committed? Because can I tell you something? God is fully committed to you. He is all in. He's pushed all the chips in on you. Amen. Amen. All right, there was a movie. As I was studying for this subject on faithfulness and faithfulness in marriage, um, I remembered a movie back in all the way 1993. Y'all are going to laugh that this was 1993, but the movie Indecent Proposal. Robert Redford, a billionaire, where he saw another guy's wife and offered to give them a million dollars to have one night with her. And you know, right after that movie came out, there were talk shows all around the world asking the question, would you have a one-night one affair, one-night stand on your spouse for a million dollars? And you know, as people were polled, the majority of the people would say, no, I wouldn't. And that's great. That's great that they would say that. But the funny thing is, and it's interesting to know that 45 to 50% of all Americans at one time or another have an affair. And yet they said they wouldn't do it for a for million dollars. And let me tell you, they've done it for a lot less than that. We have weddings in this church. We've just recently had a wedding with my nephew and, and his wife and 
You know, the bride walks, bride walks down the aisle and the whole wedding is filled with hope. And you know, 96% of all Americans at some time in their life will get married. And at that wedding, there's hope and anticipation. But can I tell you, to keep a marriage together, it takes more than hope. It takes commitment. Bless you, we've got a bunch of sneezers in here this morning. Uh, but that's what I want to talk to you today. And if I could do just a little informal survey on you, I want to poll those who are married. If you're married, I want you to raise your hand. Not yet. I want you to raise your hand. If you feel like that you'd say, Pastor, it's a lot easier to get married than it is to stay married. Amen. Now, the person sitting beside you, if they didn't raise their hand, they're either A, not married, or B, they're a liar, <laughs> or C, they're stupid. <laughs> I want to talk to you today about faithfulness. Everybody say faithfulness. I want to talk to you about, everybody's, everybody hang in there with me. This is not going to be a sermon on sex, but I am going to say that word a few times. So don't anybody think it's taboo. It's not. It's what God created. God created it, and it's good. But I'm going to talk to you a little bit about sex as God created it to be. You know, we've got a great God. We've got an incredible God that we serve, but he gave us this for our pleasure in the right context. But do you know that even great things can be uh, used for the wrong reasons? And it can become extremely dangerous. Take, for instance, water. Water refreshes us. Water replenishes us. Thank you. But too much water will kill us. Same thing about fires. Fires are a great thing in a bonfire like we had. We had a burnt offering out here on the grounds. It's a great thing in the fireplace, but it's a horrible thing when the house catches on fire. God create, God's the creator. If I can encourage you just for a minute, Satan doesn't create, he perverts. God creates. And what he's created is good, but it can be used for bad. I want to share with you five ways this morning to remain faithful to your spouse. And I promise you they're simple and they're biblical. And if you'll follow them, they'll be faithful. And for you young kids that aren't married yet, let me tell you, someday you will be. So I want to encourage you, start laying the bricks now for a foundation. Don't wait until you're in marriage to decide how to build a marriage. Start learning how to build a marriage before you build a marriage. All right, five ways. Five ways to help remain faithful. If you got your notes, here we go. Number one, make a commitment to God's standard. There is a standard that the Word of God gives us concerning, concerning marriage, and if we will make a commitment to His standard, it is truly life-changing. Psalm 119 verse 9 says this, How can a man keep his ways pure? How many of you have ever asked that question? How can I keep walking this straight line? By living according to your Word. It's the only way we can do it. Proverbs 5 it says, be faithful to your own wife and give your love to her alone. By the way, men, this is a command, not a suggestion. This isn't one of those nice little tips. This is a command from the Word of God. 
Be faithful to your wife and give your love to her alone. On this note, let me make a couple suggestions. Make a commitment to God's standard. Number one, share with your spouse your commitment to God's standard for marriage. You want your wife to, uh, to um, have that little sparkle in her, eye, in her eye again for you? Share your commitment to God's standard in marriage. Every woman wants a godly man. Can I say that again? Every woman wants a godly man. Let your spouse know that you're committed to the standard that God gives us concerning marriage and sex. But also, on making a commitment to God's standard, share with your friends your commitment to God's standard for marriage. Share with the people you run around with. Let them know that you're committed to God's standard concerning marriage. And the reason for this is to send out a signal to everybody. You see, most affairs begin with friends and family. And you're sending out a signal to everybody that's a standard that is important, and you're literally telling people, I'm off limits. Let me stop for a minute because we've we've got quite a few single people here in the congregation. And I also want to say to you, this means you too. The word for you in the Bible is fornication. But it's the same thing. It is sex outside of marriage. Single people, let me tell you, God says it's wrong. It's wrong all the time. You shouldn't be living together. You shouldn't be having sex with anyone. It's as wrong in a single sense as it is in a married sense. In fact, single people, let me give you a suggestion. Just like I encourage the husbands and wives to go home and recommit themselves to God's standard for marriage, you too should make a commitment to God's standard for marriage. Now, this is not not a beat-me-down sermon. This is a good sermon. This is going to hopefully rescue somebody from the pit of hell. And I'm going to show you. We're going to show you where, where this will lead if you let it lead you there. But God wants you out of it. God doesn't want you living a hellish life. Uh, Elizabeth said, I believe it was Winston Churchill said, said, once said that uh, when you're walking through hell, keep walking. You'll finally come out. Keep going. Oh, let's see. Where am I? God's standard. Five helps. Let's go to number two. Make a commitment. Number two. Magnify the consequences of the affair. Can I encourage you just for a minute? When you get into an affair, there are consequences. There are consequences. If you could see the consequences, I believe it would keep you from becoming emotionally and physically entangled. And the consequences are way more severe than you would ever you would ever guess. Let's look at it. Proverbs chapter 6 verse 32. The one who commits adultery is an utter fool for he destroys his own soul. It's powerful, isn't it? What does it mean? Can I tell you something that sexual sin damages the emotions like no other sin? It damages your spouse, it damages you. You know, I do a lot of counseling, and I'll have people sitting on the other side with me in in my office with tears rolling down their face saying, if I could just turn back time, if I could just go back to that day and redo it. You know what? 
You can't. You can't. You can't go back. I'm, tell, I'm preaching this message today because I'm trying to catch you on the front end. I'm trying to tell you, church body, that when you get on the back end, it's too late. It's not too late for God's forgiveness. In fact, God will forgive you for your sin. God will forgive you for any affair that you've had. God will forgive you for any sin that you've done. God forgives all sin. You know what? That's good, isn't it? But you still have to pay the piper. So many of us walk through our Christian walk thinking once we're forgiven of sin by God, it's over. Nothing else to walk through. But do you know if you murder somebody, God will forgive you for it? But the law will still come get you. You still have consequences to your mistake. Don't live some life of greasy grace. God is a God of grace. Praise God. Things that we don't deserve, he is a God of grace and mercy. And things that we don't deserve, we get anyway because of how good he is. But I'm going to show you, we can't, live, we can't live a life of sin knowing there's grace. I'm going to prove that to you. I'm going to show you why. Let's go back to uh, what are the costs of adultery. Proverbs 6, 26, adultery will cost a man all he has. You know, that's bigger than just going to court and having to pay alimony. It will cost you way more than that. But maybe you'd say, Pastor, you don't know the problems I have in marriage. No, I don't. I don't want to know what problems you have in marriage. But if you have an affair, I know what problems you're going to have. And they're going to be a lot worse than what you're going through. A lot worse. Man, it is a sneezy morning. Bless you. It creates so much damage. I've been married to my beautiful wife for 20 years, and on June 12, 2012, we have been married 20 years. And I can still remember the night that I asked her to marry me. And it's been beautiful, it's been wonderful, it's been unbelievable. But I want to give you three reasons why I strive to be faithful to my wife. Number one, and this isn't in your notes, I love my wife and kids. That may sound a little bit corny, but you know what, men, we need to be a little corny. What's wrong with corny? Nothing. I wouldn't hurt them for anything. And nothing would be more hurtful than to find out that their daddy was having an affair. And I love them too much to put them through that. In fact, if I ever had an affair, I would die. Why? Because Elizabeth's told me she would kill me. (laughs) She didn't say that, but I know she would say that. You know what? It's right. I'm hers and she's mine. And no one others. No one else's. Number two, why I strive to be faithful is because I love Jesus Christ. 
And I want to tell you something about loving Jesus Christ. I owe everything to him. Because he died for my sin. And the word of God tells me that if you love the Lord, you'll keep his commandments. And let me stop there just for a moment. Because I run into people that say that they're Christians all the time who are sexually promiscuous. And they say, you know what, it's okay, God will forgive me. Can I tell you something? That's a bunch of baloney. God loves you unconditionally. I want you to know that, but I want to tell you, if you're fooling around and breaking his commandments every day, you don't love God. The kind of love you've got for God ain't the kind of love I know. You ought to get some real good love for him. Because then you'll keep his commandments and you won't hurt him. You won't hurt the one who died for your sins by constantly violating this area of your life. Not if you really love him. It's an impossibility. It doesn't mean you're not going to sin. It doesn't mean you're not going to fall down. But when you are walking a life in sin, you don't love God. Somebody say amen. Jesus said that if you love me, you'll obey me. You go ahead and apply that to the opposite. If you don't obey, you don't love. And finally, number three, why I, why I strive to be faithful is the judgment of God. The fear of the judgment of God. And let me tell you, I have watched men and women go through affairs. And let me tell you, God's word always proves true in their life. And I read that adultery will cost me everything that I have. And you know what? I believe it. And I fear God enough. We don't talk a lot about the judgment of God, but I want to tell you something. At one point, you will stand before God and be judged by him. Maybe that's a new word for you. Maybe that's something you didn't know. It will happen. Hebrews 13 verse 4 says this. God will judge those who are immoral and those who commit adultery. It's good enough for me. Three good reasons to be faithful to your spouse. Love the Lord, love them, and have a healthy fear of the judgment of a holy, righteous God. You know what? You can sit here and you can probably rationalize to your counselor or to your therapist. You can probably even rationalize to yourself. But when you stand before a righteous God, I, I can just see God say, come on. Come on. I know the truth. I know the truth. Have you ever had somebody that you're trying to get away with a lie, but they know the truth? Don't you hate that? Come on. You remember last week about lying? If, you, if you'll tell the truth, you don't have to remember your story. If you tell a lie, you better remember it to every detail or you're going to get caught. He'll judge us. Okay. Number three, five helps. Maintain your marriage. How many of you know marriage takes maintenance? Sometimes you need an oil change. Sometimes you need a tune-up. Sometimes you need new spark plugs. I won't go into that one. <laughs> I really didn't mean it that way, but whatever. <laughs> you know, I, I, I work in the oil change business, and let me tell you, you've got to maintain your car. Let me tell you something. Your marriage will break down if you don't maintain it. 
You don't work at your marriage, it'll work on you. Your marriage needs constant maintenance and work. It's not an I do, I do, and then we're set for the rest of our life. Wouldn't that be great? (laughs) Wouldn't it be great if we walked the aisle and gave our heart to Christ and that was it? It was just all tiptoeing through the tulips and holding hands and kissing one another and just everything going great. You got to maintain, you got to work. 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 3 says this A man should fulfill his duty as husband, and a wife should fulfill her duty as a wife, and each should satisfy the other's needs. That does not say each should have their needs fulfilled. Uh, the problem is that's what, that's what we think in marriage. We get five years down the road and we're waiting for our spouse to fulfill our needs. No, my needs, my needs, my needs, and they're my needs, my needs, my needs. No, God says you fulfill their need. Man, can you imagine a marriage where all I did was focus on fulfilling her need? That'd be a good marriage. Man, come on. Come on. Come with me. It says each should satisfy each other's needs, not their needs, the other's needs. There's a book, I don't know if any of you have read it, called His Needs, Her Needs by a psychiatrist by the name of Dr. Willard Harley. And in this book, uh, he, he, he talked to thousands of couples and he, and he pulled out the top five needs of men, the top five needs of women. And I believe I've got this on your notes. Let's take a look at this real quick. This is so, this is so good. I think this is really going to speak to you. Top five needs for men. Number one, what would you guess? The sexual fulfillment. Amen. Next one. Number two, recreational companionship. What does that mean? We like to do stuff. I like to do stuff. Our whole family went out and played volleyball, all six of us, last night for the first time. It's the first time we've all functioned as one big group, one big uh, uh, group of family just getting after each other. It was really pretty funny seeing all our personalities and, and, and uh, quirks and expressions and frustrations, and it was good. I liked that. I liked getting out there, but Elizabeth had us all sprayed. Not me. She, I should have. I'm stubborn. I'm, I don't listen very good, but she had everybody sprayed with DEET because of the West Nile virus. Even though it's in Texas, we better all be sure we got all this junk all over us. So my poor kids just come in, and it's like the CDC. You don't have to explain. They've all heard the news. They've all heard the news. I'll get to you in just a minute. Number three, an attractive spouse. Don't yell at me. This is in this book. Number four, domestic support. And number five, admiration. You may not realize this, ladies, but men like to be admired. Men want to be admired. Now let's go to the women. Oh, sorry, I forget. Oh, thank you, that was good. Okay, here we go again. I'm not going to go back over. I don't know why I'm pointing it this way. It goes this, isn't that funny? (laughs) 
that funny? Have you ever watched people play video games and they're literally going? <laughs> Did y'all see the husband and wife watching their daughter on the gymnastics team? Aren't we funny people? Okay, are we good? Okay, come see me after if you need it. Women. Number one. Affection. And I guess this probably needs to be explained to half the people in this congregation. The author here is talking about tender love, hugs, pats, kisses. And he's not talking about going, this process, going through this process to make it to the bed. We're not talking, amen, there we go. We're not talking about touchdown. Now guys, I know you don't get it. But you know those hugs and kisses without a second half. Now if you don't understand that, then just ask the person sitting next to you to talk to you after the service. Number two, conversation. Honey, whenever you want to come up here, you're welcome to come up here. I mean, they like to talk. And when you think they're done, they're not done. And they're probably not even done with that conversation. They want to talk about it again. And again. And you think you're done, but then you find out later that night you didn't get done. (laughs) Number three, honesty and openness. You remember last week we talked about trust. Marriage has to have trust. It has to have honesty. It is a foundation block of marriage. Number four, financial support. Women need support. We are supporters, men. Amen. Number five, family commitment. Now, this is all from his book. Let's do this for just a minute. Look at these, look at these two lists together. Don't, don't worry. There they all are again. As we look at these two, can you see where you'd have marriage problems? Look at the five for men and five for women. They don't relate. They're not parallel at all. That's where I believe a big marriage problem is. The problem is when a man gets married, he thinks like a man. He's not trained yet, ladies. Huh? I did just say that. Listen, I'm not trained. I'm still, I'm still in training. When a woman gets married, she thinks as a woman. And she tries, to meet her, she tries to meet his needs the way that she wants hers to be met. And a man is trying to meet, his, meet her needs the way a man wants to be met. I want to encourage you to read a book. It's called uh, The Five Love Languages. Because not only will you realize how you're trying to be loved but you'll realize how your wife needs to be loved. And let me tell you, men, it's different. 
I have been trying to love my wife for a long time the way that I needed my needs to be met. And it was not the way she needed her needs to be met. I've been ready for you all morning. I wanted to come up while this list was up here because I feel like as women, it's important for us to look at the top five needs of men and make sure that we're meeting those needs. And obviously the first one is sexual fulfillment. And I think that it would be real easy for us to just kind of pass over that. But I want to read to you guys all of 1 Corinthians 7. um, Well, not all of it but through uh, verse 9, because he read a section of it, but I want to tell you women, you need to have sex with your husbands. And you should never withhold that. You should never use that as manipulation or like as a reward. Hey, you did good, so I will do this for you. But we just need to do that for our husbands. And I'm saying this to women. And I want to say to you, if you're in a place where it's been six months, you're in the wrong place. If it's, if it's been a month, you need, to, you need to fulfill this need in your husband. And so I'm going to read you uh, chapter 7, and I think this comes easier from me. He wanted me to share this part because it comes easier from a woman. Um, but I think we'll find our marriages in, pro- in, in trouble if, if, we don't, if we just ignore this. Okay, so uh, 1 Corinthians 7 says, Now concerning the things... Can you put it up, which- Mikey? 1 Corinthians chapter 7, New King James. Thank you. You guys just are laughing on the front row there. (laughs) Uh, Now concerning the things, are we there? It's 1 Corinthians 7. Everybody can go highlight this in their Bibles. Verse 1? Verse what? Verse 1. Verse 1. Now concerning the things of which you wrote to me, it is good for a man not to touch a woman. Nevertheless, because of sexual immorality... Let each man have his own wife, and let each woman have her own husband. Let the husband render to his wife the affection due her, and likewise also the wife to her husband. The wife does not have authority over her own body, but the husband does. And likewise, the husband does not have authority over his own body, but the wife does. Do not deprive one another except with consent for a time, that you may give yourselves to fasting and prayer and come together again so that Satan does not tempt you because of your lack of self-control. Okay, do you see right there? We get tempted otherwise. Do you know that I recently went to a pastor's conference, Paul and I went, and do you know what the statistic was on pornography? One out of every two men are addicted to pornography. One out of every two One out of every two. Let that sink in for a moment. And so what I'm trying to say to you, if you're withholding that from your husband, you're you're leading him into temptation. And wives, it's not your fault. If he says yes to that temptation, that's his problem. But I'm telling you, do your part. Do your part as a wife. Do your part. Um, I'm going to keep reading. Gosh, I can be so hard. I'm sorry. You're fine. I'm so sorry. But I say this as a concession, not as a commandment. For I wish that all men were even as myself. And this is Paul. And remember, he um, never got married. And uh, so he's saying, I wish every man were like myself. But each one has his own gift from God. That was his gift. Um, One in this manner and another in that. 
But I say to the unmarried and to the widows, so we're not going to leave you single people out and you widows, it is good for them if they remain even as I am, but if they cannot exercise self-control, let them marry, for it is better to marry than to burn with passion. So we're married, and that desire is fulfilled. Um, can you put that five points back up? Actually, the one where it's both the man and the woman. I don't know how easy it is to just jump right back into that. Um, Okay, great. Okay, recreational companionship, and I'm just going to hit this for you women out there. You know, my life revolves a lot around security. It's, it's number four on that list, and I'm telling you, he just wants to have fun. He's like, let's just go have fun. Let's just have fun. I just want you to be happy. Let's have fun. And I'm like, you know, um, can we concentrate on the budget and make sure there's money in the savings account? And you know what? Sometimes women, you just need to say, okay, let's go have fun, and that's okay with me. Did you just say that? I did just say that. <laughs> he knows how bad I am at that. But I really am because it's always about, like, getting it right. we got to get it right. And I think sometimes I, I was shocked when I saw number two is recreational companionship. You just want to have a good time. And you know what? I need to have a good time with him. And, and, and I want to tell you women, have a good time with your husband. Even if you don't have, you know, we live on a budget. And if that means playing volleyball outside. Or going to the park, you know, we go to the falls all the time, and it doesn't cost us money except the gas to drive down there. And we just walk and have fun together. Um, and an attractive spouse. And yes, I am going to talk about this because you know what? We're women and we have babies. And when we have babies, I literally had this outfit, and we named it Old Blue. Do you remember Old Blue? <laughs> I can't believe you don't remember Old Blue. But I did. I had Old Blue, and it was so comfortable. And it was like sweatpants, it was navy blue, and it was like sweatpants in the big, long, floppy shirt. And I loved old blue. But, you know, there came a time for me that I needed to dress back up. Because, you know what, he was going out into the world every day working. And you know what, women don't walk around looking frumpy all day. And then to have to come home to, like, wife who just had a baby in old blue every day. <laughs> Or in your bathrobe, or in your pajamas. And I know when we're staying home with the kids, it's very tempting to just say, I'm not going out today, I'm not putting on makeup. But you know what, fix yourself up. Fix yourself up, it's important. And even if you're not going anywhere, fix yourself up. And I'm really, I'm really gonna address all of these. <laughs> Domestic support. And you know what, I think, I know for my husband, it just brings him peace. To know that I'm home, that I've thought about supper. You know, I, I don't want to say for one moment that it all falls on us women. Because you know what? Paul helps me fold laundry. He helps me clean up. He does. But I'm telling you, I have a plan. As women, have you ever heard the term, we're gatekeepers? You know, nutritionally. You know, it's like you're, you're, you manage the home. And it's just important. If that means I'm going to delegate to my children and let them help us clean, whatever that is, but somehow there's somebody running the house. We're going to eat. We're going to have good food. And if that, if that, whatever that takes to pull it off, and you know what? Paul goes grocery shopping with me to be sweet to me and to spend time with me. Because our day off, we have our day off together, and, and we do that a lot together. And then admiration. And I just think we got to be our, our husband's number one cheerleader. And I'm not the best at this. I'm not going to pretend like I am. 
I can be real quick to point out what's wrong. But you know what? It's more important to say, you know what? I love you and I think you're doing a great job. And I'm going to cheer you on. I think you're doing great. And they, they need that admiration. So women, I just want to encourage you today uh, to work on those things. Work on those things. And I'm going to read you one other thing and I'll be done. You didn't know I was going to take this long. Uh, Ruth, chapter 1. I just want to bring up Ruth's commitment. And you know what? If we want faithfulness, we need to give it. If you're, if you're sitting around thinking, you know what? It's, it looks easy for y'all. You know, I, I am. I'm married to a good man. I get that. But I'm telling you, we've had our share of problems. And it, it, it's a decision to say, you know what? I'm going to be faithful to you. I'm going to love you. And Ruth made a commitment to Naomi, but I think what we see here, that was a, a daughter-in-law with her mother-in-law, but what we see here is the commitment. We see the, the start of, you know what, I'm going to be faithful, I'm going to love you, I'm going to serve you, I'm going to be there for you. And so I'm going to read this to you. Uh, it's, it's Ruth 1, 16, and it says, Entreat me not to leave you or to turn back from following after you. Wherever you go, I will go, and wherever you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people, and your God my God. And where you die, I will die, and there will I be buried. The Lord do so to me, and more also, if anything but death parts you and me. And I want you to know that I, I got this little verse when Paul and I were first getting married, and, and it hangs in our home. I have it written and framed, and I think it's in the basement. But you know what? <laughs> yeah, it's in the basement. It's, in a, it's in a closet somewhere. It's, it's in a closet. We hide it. <laughs> with, my, with my deer heads and all that other man stuff, it. yeah. <laughs> the deer heads are in the <laughs> It's, it's okay. Know. You're on a roll. I'm sorry. <laughs> but, but what I want to say to you is it, it was so easy to say it 20 years ago. It was so easy to say your people are going to be my people. Wherever you go, I'm going to follow you. But you know what? When we were married for 20 years, and we, we have walked through some of the greatest storms of our life, and for me to say, I'm with you. Wherever you go, I am going. I am going with you, and your people are my people, and I'm not leaving you. Not that I was going to leave him. That sounds bad. But you hear what I'm saying. Sometimes you have to, sometimes you just have to recommit. And so I want to encourage you. Do that for the ladies now. Say that again. Do that. Offer that to the ladies Yeah, right now. he wants me to offer that to you. That if you're in a place, so let's just close our eyes right now and just, just bow our heads for just a moment and just say, Lord, um, if, this is, if this is just touching you and you say, I've got to um, recommit. I want to be faithful. Even if my spouse is never faithful, I'm going to be the spouse that says I'm with you regardless. I'm with you through it all. And so, Lord God, I just pray right now that you would help us do that. And if you're in a place right now where you want to do that, I just encourage you to raise your hand right now. And we're going to pray. Amen. I see that hand. Thank you. Amen. Thank you, God, that you're helping us commit, Lord. Thank you, God. Anybody else? I see that hand. Thank you. Thank you, God. Thank you, God, that we're going to be a faithful people. I see that hand. Thank you, Lord. 
Thank you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, God. But right now, Lord God, I thank you that you see the hearts of this people, Lord God, and that uh, we turn to you right now, and we recommit to you, Lord, but we also recommit to our spouse. We recommit to our husband, Lord. Yes, Lord. And we say, Lord God, that wherever he goes, we're going with him. Lord God, wherever you lead him, Lord God, we're going to follow. And Lord, really, we can rest because we know we're following you. We're following you, Lord. And Lord God, I just thank you that you help us be a faithful people, Lord. That you help us be faithful, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. If you don't mind, just bow your heads and I just want to ask you, do you know Jesus? Have you received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? If you'd say, no, Pastor, I've never made that commitment. Today is the day. Right where you sit, just confess your sins to the Lord and ask Him to be your Lord and Savior. But I want to ask you this, are you living a life of sin? It's time for you to recommit your heart to the Lord. You may say out of your mouth that you love the Lord, but you're living a life of sin. And I want you to know those two things don't go together. It's time to stand. It's time to stand. Father, in Jesus' name, I just ask you right now, Lord, to reveal truth in our life. That if we're living under a lie, Lord, that you would shine the light on that lie, Lord. Give us the strength to walk away from an, from a, uh, an inappropriate relationship. Give us the courage to stand up and say, I'm not going to do that anymore. Father, in Jesus' name, I just pray for your, for your power and your spirit to be upon us. And Lord, for your people to stand up and take a stand. Just want to open the altar up to anyone that needs prayer this morning maybe over your marriage, maybe over your family maybe over your finances or your job would you finally just surrender to the Lord and just ask him to help you he is your very present help in time of need amen will you guys stand up with me and those that are ministering come on down